0: Hello, this is The Game Podcast from The Times and I'm Natalie Sawyer. Joining Gregor Robertson and I today, it is Matt Dickinson. Matt, good afternoon. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. Cheers.
0: Good to hear. Gregor, how are you getting on?
2: I'm good, yes. Enjoyable weekend at Pride Park, watching an old Wayne Rooney strut his stuff. Um, and I even... I had my first pint of beer for a long, long time so it was a good weekend all in all. Ooh, sounds very
0: good. You weren't the Nottingham Forest fan I do the inverted commas in the air type thing who jumped into the into no, the no. river. No. no, no, it wasn't me I'm
2: afraid, sorry. <laughs> what a great, great story, story that was.
0: <laughs> um, Matt, how how was your weekend?
1: Uh, my weekend was I'm trying to think if I'd what sports um, I'd watched plenty um, but yeah, all off all off the telly and um I, uh, and I stayed clear of the pubs. I'm, um, um, yes, yeah, I was I outside.
2: Talk. Let me make that clear. And oh, okay. uh, it was all very, very safely done. So uh, it wasn't good. like some of these scenes you're seeing on social media that, that look quite scary. So it was yeah. all
0: safe. Good, good to hear. I was actually at a safari park on Friday. It was very nice. I have oh. to say. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, with some kids. So obviously it wasn't just for me it was with children involved um but matt before we carry on and in case we do hear some dogs barking we have to say that you've got a puppy
1: i do a lot uh, yes a puppy is not just for lockdown as they say <laughs> um but uh, yes i've got uh, winnie the uh, wheaton terrier um which i hadn't heard of till um, no. till we were looking around it's an irish uh, irish breed but yeah so i've um i've got a few scars on my shins at the moment from uh uh puppy teeth um Uh, Yes, great, great bundle of fun she is. But um, yes, it's like I'd forgotten it's like having a newborn, isn't it? It's like full on 24 seven, you know, howling in the night, barking to wake you up in the morning and all the the fun and uh, nonsense in between.
0: Yes, I've got a nine-month-old puppy, so I sort of understand where you're coming from. And it really is like a newborn baby. But anyhow, we're not here to talk about puppies and, and newborns. <laughs> uh, we're here to do the game podcast. And it's all about English strikers on today's pod from past and present. As we welcome another member to the Premier League 100 Club and focus on the race for the playoffs and the championship. Oh, will Brentford be in them? I have my fingers crossed anyhow. The train
2: is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station.
0: iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. We start today with the Manchester clubs, who had very different weekends. United were worthy winners at home to Bournemouth, whereas City were stunned at St Mary's by Che Adams' first goal for the club. And it was one to remember. From a full 40 yards out, Adams' effort caught Edison off his line to give the striker his much-needed first goal for Southampton in his 30th appearance to give them that 1-0 win. The result means Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola has lost three consecutive away league games for the first time in his managerial career and Manchester City have now lost nine league games this season against something that has never happened to a Pep Guardiola side so Matt should Manchester City fans be concerned by this end to their season
1: well I always thought you know post lockdown was always going to be a a strange period for sort of teams like City who are going to have sort of you know um clearly focus on Europe that's 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 the big Prize um, for them that the league was always just going to be a a really weird time, knowing that Liverpool were uncatchable um, and and with other priorities. And uh, I did a piece um, a week or so ago saying, you know, n- no fixture is bigger for City um, than the the CAS hearing that you know we'll we'll be waiting to hear for the final result on that in the next ten days or so um, about their their appeal against the European ban. And I th- you know, I think uh, you know there's Psychologically, so much um, rest on that as well. So you know, I think that, I think league games were always going to be you know not an afterthought. You know, Pep Guardiola is far too sort of serious about his job to, th- to think that. But there there was always going to be some some strange results, and and you know, City's um, you know one minute thumping Liverpool was you know proving a point, and then and then slumping at Southampton sort of reflects the sort of blurred focus, I think.
0: Gregor, where do you stand on the whole Manchester City end to this season? It, it's in terms of the Premier League, it's very hot and cold.
2: Yeah, I think I think Guardiola summed up pretty well. He basically said it was the game was like their season in a microcosm. They they made an error for the goal uh, because basically their defend, defenders aren't aren't good enough uh, this season. They lost Laporte for so long that was a huge issue for them. Um, And they created chance after chance. And sometimes they just don't seem to be able to find the back of the net. And it's... I mean, he he couldn't put his finger on why that is. I think, probably, they do need to go out and get a new striker. Um, If Aguero's not fit, which, you know, there's usually a a part of the season when he he picks up some kind of injury, um, then they are a little bit short. And Jesus hasn't really uh, been in in a purple patch at all of late. Um, So, I think, you know, I think... We kind of this is what City have been this season. They've not been assaulted at the back, and we have to say, despite all of that, they're still this, the division's top scorers. You know, they 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 run all over some teams, and I think they scored nine more goals than than Liverpool. Uh, so it's not it's not a huge issue. I think there are times if Aguero's out, it's having someone, and he's he's also getting on a bit now. So it's having someone to to come in. That's that's of the same quality, which is going to be hard to find, and it's also finding uh, some improvements at the back, certainly a centre half.
0: Well, the the stats do continue to to rack up for Guardiola. Fifteen points is the most he's ever finished behind the eventual winners of the league, and another record that, of course, looks likely to go with Liverpool, still twenty three points in front. Now, Gregor, you've mentioned the concern up front for City. There's also the issue of Gabriel Jesus's form. He's City have had 26 shots at goal against Southampton but failed to find the net Jesus had six of them but he seems to perhaps be lacking that clinical touch of of Sergio Aguero Matt do you think they need a new striker
1: well with the the, as Gregor says with Aguero um, you know sort of slipping into the you know towards the towards the twilight of his career um, and and Jesus not you know, he's 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 not been able to match and we see him in sort of bursts and we see snatches of talent, but not of the same, you know, extraordinary, prolific consistency of Aguero. Um, it's an area he's going to be looking at, but I don't think it's the most important. I mean, you know, say Laporte's absence was, was obviously huge, but I just think defensively that, you know, with Stones, you know, clearly not, not trusted, Um uh, and since company left there's been a sort of crying out for for a sort of you know senior senior replacement ready to come in i think that's that's one area mendy obviously it left back as you know so much promise when he came and seemed to seemed to be um yeah potentially going to be a you know huge player for them one of those sort of full backs that can sort of control a game from there but become erratic obviously he had a long long injury um, and I think across the back line, I think you know, say Laporte aside, I think you you know you can see how they could strengthen in in every position.
0: Mm. And let's not forget, obviously, Leroy Sané has left. David Silva is retiring as well. Although Pep Guardiola has said with regards to Silva, he might not need to fill that hole that will be left with someone like Phil Foden in the ranks. But the question now is, is the gap between the Manchester clubs shrinking? If you compare Sunday's result for Guardiola and City, the red half of Manchester could not be more different as an eye-catching attacking display saw United put five past Bournemouth on Saturday. Despite going behind early on, United hit their stride as 18-year-old Mason Greenwood scored twice in the Premier League for the first time to claim all the plaudits. Greenwood has now scored eight league goals for United this season. Only Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler and Wayne Rooney have scored more in a season at that age. So he's very much in good company with those names that I've mentioned. Could Mason Greenwood be as good as those three? Matt, what do you think?
1: Well, mean the way he's taking some of these goals—it's, I mean, it's so exciting. Just to, you know, the left foot, right foot—you know—and he just seems to have that something that you know. Sometimes you hear, you know, can't be coached of just having the you know, just the mental coolness, just to 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 pick his spot, not to be rushed. Um, you know, you see—I think we've talked about it before on here. You know, of of players who don't have it, you know, that you see you just see them getting rushed, snatching at shots leaning back you know and and he's got it he's just got that you know this is what I do this is you know I get the ball under pressure and I know exactly where to to put it to give to to have the best chance of scoring and that's yeah that's certainly something that Michael Owen had um and and Fowler obviously is as these sort of natural finishers. um so yeah I mean I think it's 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 really fascinating to to watch a young player come in and and to seemingly have that sort of confidence, almost as it sort of seems to be like a, a sort of you know sometimes it looks like a youthful confidence. because You just go out and do it, but actually there seems to be a, some sort of you know, maturity of mind just to to know the job, understand the job, and be able to deliver so clinically.
0: Gregor, it's interesting because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been gushing about Greenwood. Do you think as early as as next season he'll become a mainstay in the United team?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a very good chance. I mean it all depends, you know, they've been linked with heavily with Jaden Sancho. Um, you would imagine they will sign a striker. And, you know, I was thinking about that. If if, if they did sign Sancho and the, the thing the thing with Greenwood is he looks like he can play in anywhere across that front line because mm-hmm. he is a natural goal scorer. Uh he's also very good at kind of if he is playing through the middle at like dropping off and finding little pockets of space and turning and running at defenders and they hate that and he's always you know quite a few of his goals he's he's got great balance and he loves a little step over and then he always seems to find a, a space between the defender's legs to to get a shot off um and you have Paul Hurst was writing today that he's been hitting the weights uh, during lockdown you can definitely see that he's you know he looks versatile as well um and as Matt said he two-footed his second goal was ridiculous he It looked like he was running, kind of away from goal down down a dark alley, and he just cut his right foot uh, back around the ball and chopped into the far top corner. And it was, yeah, he's he's certainly hugely hugely promising. And Manchester United could, in theory, have you know he's on fifteen goals. They could have three twenty-plus goals goal uh, strikers this season. So um, suddenly, you know, that front line that has looked, you know, if Rashford was spent a bit of time on the sidelines. Martial has not always been firing. Greenwood has been kind of maturing and suddenly they've got these three guys who are on top, top form. And I still think they will add someone in the summer and that, that will go, go some way to to kind of closing the gap, I think, between Manchester United and and the teams above them.
0: Well, I think what's interesting about that front three that you've mentioned there with Rashford, Martial and Greenwood, they have scored more goals collectively across all competitions this season than Liverpool's front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah. Yet we always talk up that front three for for Liverpool. So this potential at United is so very exciting and no doubt Solskjaer is very very intrigued to get them working and clicking regularly next season as well and he's also been talking up Greenwood's chances of playing for England he said when you play for Manchester United I think that's a test that's good enough and difficult enough if you can handle playing for United then you can handle playing for any team and Mason's got the qualities that not many others have so he could play for the England full team or the under 21s I don't really mind I know he's doing well for us and it's great to have him here Uh, England of course play Iceland and Denmark in September in the Nations League so from what we've seen of Greenwood this time around should Matt Mason Greenwood be in the squad
1: well he's certainly got to be pushing hard for it hasn't he I mean you know we're lucky that uh, Gareth Southgate's certainly lucky that you know he's got a plenty of decent competition up front I mean when you consider that you know I don't keep Sterling and Kane um, and say Sancho on the right would be an automatic choice and that's not even with Rashford getting in the team you know Rashford's you know got got to 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 be on top form and, and pushing those guys to be a uh, to beginning and so then you know greenwood is in in that queue um and that's a pretty you know that's a, pr- a pretty decent, decent choice and that's before you know there's there, there are other options you know someone like foden can play that far forward as a wide forward we've seen uh, and and others so hudson et etc so there's you know england are blessed with plenty of you know wide um versatile forwards but he's got to be in there i mean you know generally the england's you know camp have light to bring players through with with tournament experience at at the sort of junior levels i think he's only played um is it four times for the under 21s um you know there's there is a feeling that you know you get the best long term out of players who've had maximum experience coming through the junior ranks but you know occasionally you just get a bolter you know we mentioned Rooney before occasionally you get someone who just can't be held back Michael Owen was like that as well uh, and Greenwood is certainly you know he's certainly shown the talent for that um, at the same time you know Southgate would be thinking I need him to get international experience and and won't just want him to be sort of you know sitting on the bench for camps when when he could be playing.
0: Gregor, I guess you must be loving the fact that we're talking about <laughs> England's uh, versatile forwards and how excited we are all about them.
2: Yeah, we seem to have been talking about this for the last, <laughs> year, well, all season, really. Just there seems to be someone new emerging all the time. And, you know, Hudson odoi was someone earlier in the season and uh, Sancho, as you say. And uh, it's really an embarrassment of riches. I think if some kind of top class centre half emerges, then you, you're, you're you're looking set for the. <laughs> for the next decade or so, you've got some some real talent coming through, and and uh, yeah, happy days for Scotsmen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you can you really mean that, don't you? Um, yeah. But but Matt, how good then is this Manchester United front three? Where would they rank right now in the best in the league? Do you think?
1: Um, well, good enough to be starting to um, make me think I'm going to be serving myself up some humble pie the way um, United uh, you know I, I've, no, I, my argument when Solskjaer got the job was that you know if, if I would be going for Pochettino that you know looking to sort of rebuild long term I thought he was um, you know prime sort of candidate for them and obviously the way the way he ended up at Spurs he, he was becoming available um, mm-hmm. but uh, no I you know I think there is a lot to like about United and the way they're they're, they're rebuilding at the moment. Um, you know, going through the most of the team. I mean, obviously, yeah, the midfield is suddenly looking like it's got yeah just wonderful options. Um, uh, even Pogba looks like he's sort of enjoying his football again. But it, yeah, and then when you've got yeah, the way that Martial is is mm-hmm. it's so much of it is you know not just improvements in form, but you just look at attitude as well. You know, seeing Martial enjoying himself as much as he is the way you know beaming as he scored that the goal on Saturday and, and just yeah i mean and and what a goal it it's there seems to be just a the, the mentality seems to be right there at the moment and that's something that's been missing for 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 quite some time it seems and there seems to be a sort of contagious um you know upbeat harmony about them at the moment now you know Manchester United is a team that aspires to win titles and Champions Leagues and yeah there's some big old steps to be taken before that but yeah if I was a united fan I'd be thinking ah you know is this is this the stirrings of of something something pretty promising
0: mm. we're talking very positively about it all but there are still some question marks defensively over United. Harry Maguire was at fault for Junior as his opener before David De Gea was beaten at his near post. Uh, the same pair then allowed Dominic Solanke to equalise in the first half, only for his effort to be ruled out for offside. So, Gregor, should they be worried about Maguire and De Gea?
2: I think if there's one area that, they, that United should be worried, it's central defence. I still think you know, De Gea has had, has had a poor season. He's had a... A shaky two seasons, really, and I think if that was to proceed into next season as well, then they have someone in Dean Henderson who is hugely promising. And again, we're talking we're talking about England potentially a future number one for England. So, um, I you know, but he's still a he's still a world class goalkeeper, and um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But a centre half, yes, I think they need to sign a centre half, and I think I think it should be someone of kind of stature someone who's mm-hmm. who's coming from a, from ex, you know experience in Champions League football and uh, coming from a big club because I don't think Maguire is the is actually the the I don't know the totem of a of a defensive back line either I think he he would benefit from playing alongside someone who was experienced too rather than being the experienced one um, because he, Lindelof has improved he has improved a lot in his time at Manchester United Uh Eric Bay is, you know, he's had some injury troubles, and he gave away the, the probably the most bizarre penalty I've seen in a long time at the weekend. <laughs> that kind of handball, although he's probably unfortunate. Um, but those two guys, you know, I don't think if they're talking about really closing the gap and challenging for titles, I'm not sure that those three centre halves. fact, uh, I'm, I'm certain they are not going to be three centre halves that are in a title-winning team. So, McGuire and someone who is a, a defender of real stature. Uh, alongside him, would be a huge step forward. I still think there are other areas. I think probably they could do with another midfielder, and I'm sure they will sign a striker. And I'm not entirely sure Luke Shaw is a left-back who will play in a title-winning team either. So, you know, there are areas to improve, but as Matt says, having Fernandes, the impact has been remarkable. Pogba, the, the reliance not being on Pogba so much to be the creative outlet for Manchester United... You know, we've been able to share the load a little bit. That seems mm-hmm. to have been huge. Matic has found some form. Still got Scott Scott McTominay there t- to play beside him, so you know. Well that's... how big
0: is it as well, Gregor, then that Matic has signed a new three year deal there.
2: Yeah, I mean it's strange. You would you would not have <laughs> you would not have seen this coming in, uh six, eight months ago. He wasn't he really hadn't had been in a slump for, for, for a bit of time at, at Manchester City. And again, you know, <laughs> players it's the same thing with Pogba it's about you know Matt says the thing about having your best players around you it kind of it kind of makes everyone stick their chests out and they have a bit more belief about themselves they look around the team and they see some some real players there and I think that's probably the same with Matic he was playing alongside Fred for a lot of his a lot of the last year or so who again has improved but is, I wouldn't say is is going to be a player that will start for Manchester United in a title winning team Um and you know, the 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 squad has been has been pretty threadbare, either because of injuries or because of the the recruitment. It's been pretty poor over the last five or six years. So yes, he, he has improved a lot. Um and if you can maintain this form then he's then he's a big he's a big asset for them because he does provide that platform for Pogba and and uh, Fernandez to go and, and be creative and link up with that front three. And so that, that front five, if you're looking at, the, at those players, that is from where Manchester United were six seven months ago, that's a huge transformation. As
1: Gregor says, it's I mean the Bruno Fernandes effect has been, you know, I, I mean I'm struggling to think of a player who's you know we've seen good players come in and you know make an impact, but I, I'm really struggling to think of a player for a long time who's seemed to have had such an impact on those immediately ar- around him, you know, that it's just spread um, spread the form, and, and he's such a beautiful link player, the way he just, you know, every little layoff and touch and he just, you know, one of those lovely players, sort of skulls type players who seems to just have 360 vision and as you said, you know, you can say, you can almost see it physically in Pogba, can't you, of, you know, sort of, you know, oh, here's a player almost as good as me to, to," you know, it's that sort of sense of, ah, someone, you know, someone I deserve Mm to play alongside now Um, and I think if, I think Gregor's right, I mean, if they could get a centre-half who would have that kind of yeah, we've seen it for Liverpool and Van Dyke. You know, same Absolutely. sort of in, same sort of impact. You know, worth every penny of seventy odd million, the same way as Fernandez worth every penny of fifty odd million. Because you're not just signing, you know, talent, but you're signing someone who just gives confidence to other players, and that's that's priceless for a manager. And I think you know, if they can find that, I, I think it is the centre half is probably the hardest. But you speak to it's been seems to be going on a long time now. You speak to managers, and it's obviously why Liverpool chased Van Dyke for so long. I think centre half partly because managers don't tend to like spending big money on sort of 21-year-old potential at centre-half. They tend to, you know, centre-half so often, we've seen it sort of takes 24, 25 before they're really maturing. And and at that stage, the price is is super high as it was for Van Dijk. But you get the right one, and what an impact.
0: So if Manchester United get their recruitment right, how far away are they from challenging the title? Is it just one good transfer away is it one good season away Matt what would you say
1: um, phew, um yeah I mean I, I still think it you know we say we're still talking a couple of big leaps I mean you, you know you could see there if they got that type of defender in I mean the goalkeeper thing is yeah I mean it's is clearly clearly a concern um De Gea just yeah it's it's I actually find it quite sad to see someone you know you sort of rate for a while and and to be to suddenly become so erratic um in fact yeah i mean i I really would be you know tempted to have be seriously thinking about Henderson and you know how much how much longer he he waits before being given uh, given the chance there but i you know i I think they you know if Liverpool um can maintain uh, you know, this type of this type of form if city recover as I'm sure you know I'm sure they will to an extent then yeah there's still big big leaps to come but I think the crucial thing is for this for Solskjær is it'll be looking at you know his first 11 will be capable of of taking on those top teams now and that's that in itself is a is a big leap from where say they were you know a year ago
2: Finally, they're they're 34 points off Liverpool still so mm. it's an enormous gap and the thing is uh, exactly as Matt says if Solskjaer is given the tools, and he's not far off now from having the tools, then it becomes a bit about him and him going head-to-head with Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. And that is still the big question mark, whether he is a manager who can raise his team to heights that, that we've basically never seen before in the Premier League, as Liverpool and Manchester City have. And that's still a big, big question mark.
0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? Hello, I'm Stig Abel. I'm Asma Mir and you can hear our breakfast programme on Times Radio.
1: Join us as we talk to special guests about everything you need to know for the day ahead.
0: Listen to our morning show for free on DAB Radio, your smart speaker at times.radio and via our Times Radio app. Every Monday to Thursday, 6am to 10am on Times Radio. Know your times. Let's talk about Jamie Vardy, shall we? The wait is finally over. He is the newest member of the Premier League 100 club, having failed to score in the three games since the restart. He netted twice in Leicester's 3-0 win over Crystal Palace at home to make it 101 Premier League goals in 206 appearances. Of the 29 players to become Premier League centurions, only Ian Wright made his debut at an older age than Vardy. Vardy was 27, Wright was 28. And he had already, right this is, played three seasons in the top flight before of course it was rebranded it is the stuff of fairy tales Matt put into words how great an achievement this is for Vardy given his late start to his professional career
1: well I mean I think that's the fun of it isn't it is that you know we've just been talking about sort of you know the, the wonder kids who come through and those players you spot at sort of you know I was flying I remember flying halfway around the world um when uh, Michael Owen was playing in a tournament as a 17-year-old, because we, you know, we already knew this kid was was so special. Um, and you know, saw it with with Wayne Rooney as well. You know, writing about him when he was 16. Um, so I, you know, I think I think that's the that's one of the sort of great joys of the Vardy story is that it's you know it is so different to those that uh, and you know we have all heard about obviously his. Um, shall we say, idiosyncratic refueling methods that he's you know <laughs> known for throughout his time. You know, you're talking about a guy who's come through, you know, sort of non-league works teams and so on. And I, you know, I, I think you know playing for Halifax and, and Fleetwood, um, at, and that's yeah. I, I just think that's at a time when we're sort of you know, and also you know, so many academy, brilliant academy recruits coming through, and it's great that the academy system. Have sort of you know been improved and augmented, but also that that there is another way, and I think that's that's the joy of the story. Although I still we are still waiting for this Hollywood film version. I mean, it's been talked about for a long time, but maybe 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 he's got to get to two hundred before maybe. that happens.
0: Maybe. Give it time, though. Give it time; it may still still happen. But obviously, Gregor, you know, out of the three of us, you're the one that have, has professionally played the game. Remember, I'm not mentioning Wembley because I know that Matt you played at Wembley, um, <laughs> but um I mean this is this is what it's all about isn't it playing uh, sunday league and and you know non-league and then catapulting into the premier league it's just an incredible story
2: yeah and i don't i don't think you know you can underestimate how hard it is to sort of extricate yourself from those lower leagues and those kind of levels uh and you know, it was a million, a million pounds for a player that was playing in the in the fifth tier. It was pretty much unheard of. So he, he, I think that he joined, he joined two clubs that were up, upwardly mobile in Fleetwood. Uh, you know, who have climbed since climbed through the leagues and they could be in the championship next season, uh, and Leicester City, who were sort of again on beginning a rise in the championship. And you know, again, I think there are also, I think I've said this before on the podcast. There are certain players who. Who almost need to reach the Premier League by doing so with a team through promotion? I know I'm not entirely sure Vardy would have would have been signed for you know 10, 15, 20 million by a by a Premier League team. I think he had to he had to get there with Leicester and then he had to prove himself on that stage. And boy, has he done that! It's just yeah, it's just it's a remarkable story from from where he from where he started, uh, mm. and then to then to play for England and to be part of the biggest fairy tale that. The Premier League has ever seen in winning the Premier League title, and now to score a hundred goals and and you know, it was, you know even after all of that you saw we even saw in that one game what a goal does for his for, did for his confidence. He'd gone a long a long spell without a goal. He was kind of kicking the post in anger at, at a miss earlier in the game. Uh, he was put through and he sort of slashed at a left-footed effort, and then uh, he's basically gifted a goal by by Sako, the Palace defender. And his second goal, he's, he was racing through and it was like the Jamie Vardy of old. So, you know, he's still, despite all of that journey he's been on, that moment where he got, got his goal and he and he found a bit of confidence again, you saw him just sort of spring to life
0: once more. Mm. You talk about remarkable, Greg, or is it also remarkable that these 100 goals that he's scored have come all at Leicester?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, there's not many players who stay at one club for, for so long. The other thing I found very interesting and, Reading in the in the Times today was that he scored thirty for Rodgers, which is the most. He scored twenty nine for Ranieri. Uh, so Rodgers has, you know, Rodgers has done done a lot for him. I think there's, you know, we we heard a lot at the start of the season because he got off to a flyer about how Rodgers was telling him to conserve his energy. You used to mm. tear around like a headless chicken almost chasing after defenders, and he's so full of energy and running. But he's you know he's thirty three. and Rogers saying conserve your energy and be ready for when we can spring an attack and and I think he's benefited from that and Rogers has often been good at at dealing with players who are sort of coming into the latter stages of of their career and knowing how to use them best so uh, I think probably Brendan Rogers deserves some credit for, of of course Vardy deserves the most, he came back in the in the summer in pre-season and and I think he recorded his quickest ever uh, speed test times, he's he's in the shape of his life and as Matt says he's kind of he's had some uh, interesting habits in the past and, <laughs> and you know a few kept a few of his non-league habits um but i think that they're all in the past now he he owns a, a cryotherapy chamber in his in his house you know he's, he does all the stuff now to to recover and make sure he's he's a, a, in his best shape always so um he's learned from his time in the premier league and i be, wouldn't be surprised to see him going well past well beyond he's think he's got 2 years left in his contract and I'm, I'm sure he'll go on beyond that too
0: uh, just, just in terms of uh, of an example that he sets to to others, Matt. Obviously, we can forget some of his side issues and the the, the things that we perhaps wouldn't look upon favourably when it comes to a professional footballer. But as Gregor has said, he's probably learnt from that and he's changing his routines all the time. All the time. How how important is it to have stories like this coming from the Premier League as well?
1: Um, well, yeah. I, I, mean, I it's not all fairy tale. It wasn't in my book. I did a piece when he um stood down from England um basically saying that I, I, I questioned it and and I you know it's, it's up to him up to his choice his his life but I thought that you know he was a guy who was you know involved in a world cup campaign right up to a uh, a semi-final um you know I thought exciting times ahead for England and just almost from that you know fan perspective i just thought you've got the chance to to stay involved with an england team that's going places why would you do it anyway i I wrote the piece and and let's say mrs vardy was in touch quite promptly um (laughs) (laughs) and and she didn't hold back um as as she doesn't um yeah and and shall we say
2: lucky you're not getting sued
1: i know well (laughs) exactly i've been very careful on my instagram ever since but no i've um (laughs) She, uh, yeah, she sort of really took issue with it and saying, look, you know, he's he's sort of got to look after himself. And I think they felt he had a sort of raw deal with England and should should have played more. Um, I I thought personally, look, he's, you know, he's a particular type of player who works in, you know, we all know his sort of great strengths on the counter-attack. It was interesting on those stats we had today that he's actually scored more of the 100 away from home than at home, which, you know, I think probably reflects... Something to do with that—that that sort of counter-attacking style and and how Leicester, could t- you know, taking advantage of that against teams probably, you know, pushing onto them um, at home. But I, you know, so that that yeah, you know, there's there's been other issues to talk around around it. He took that sort of uh, say, not the first player to sort of remove himself from from England duty. I always find it slightly sad when players do, but um, you know, I suspect he would say, well, you know, that's why I'm still. Still sticking them in for Leicester, even if it's taken a little while to get to this uh, this landmark.
0: Mm. Well, you mentioned England there, seven goals in 26 England caps for Vardy. Do you think he was underused in some ways? And do you think maybe if he was actually used more, then perhaps he wouldn't have, have come to that decision to, to sort of step away from the international scene?
1: Well, I'll say Missus Vardy certainly, I think felt he was <laughs> um, as an unbiased witness. Um, look, I mean, you got Harry Kane, and and it's, they're very different type of players. You know, the, we you know Harry Kane has really developed into someone who's not just a sort of classic striker, but um, someone who was you know coming coming deep and and playing through runners. You know, I think. You know, Harry Kane was lucky to stay on in some, some games in the World Cup as long as he did. Um, I can imagine if I was Jamie Vardy, I would be frustrated. I would think I deserved, um, you know, certainly earlier opportunities. But I think it's pretty hard to think that, you know, Jamie Vardy's going to... We talked about it before, didn't we? The options England have got up front. He is a particular type of player. Um, and I think he has to, you know... I think if he, he would have to accept that he's a sort of horses-for-courses type player in that squad.
2: Before that, there was... There was Wayne Rooney, who's England's highest goal scorer of all time. So, uh, yeah, I know he's he's been unfortunate, and and the way that England have England play with one striker, so he always had to sort of supplant one of those two. Um, and 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 as I said, England have kind of got an embarrassment of riches out wide, and and he's not really a wide forward like that. He is he is a very sort of specific player, and he's brilliant on the counter attack, and that's not really what international football is. So he was a very good option for England off the bench, but I think, I think for him to be starting for England was, was, was always a stretch.
0: Well, it has been all about English strikers on today's podcast from Mason Greenwood to Jamie Vardy. And finally, to someone you've just mentioned, Gregor Wayne Rooney and Gregor, you've been writing about his starring role in midfield in Derby's resurgence in the championship. You've mentioned at the start how you uh, were at uh, the game between Derby and Nottingham Forest. Um, for those that may not have read the story and heard the story, tell us about the, the first time you, you came across Wayne Rooney in your career, Gregor. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I I, wrote, I I mentioned this because it, it felt so far removed from the Wayne Rooney that we're, we're seeing. Now, I played against Wayne Rooney in a FA Youth Cup tie in 2002. Uh, I think I was 18 and he was 16. Um, I was playing for Nottingham Forest and he was playing for Everton. It was at Goodison Park. And he was remarkable like I know it'd be easy for me to say that now but it it was it was genuinely it was almost kind of shocking how good he was he 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 hit the woodwork I think three times with kind of the kind of strikes that teenagers don't really hit very very often Uh, he scored a bicycle kick Uh, he did some really audacious things and afterwards our our uh, our manager John Pemberton former Crystal Palace uh, and Leeds fullback. He said he's the next Alan Shearer. And we were all like, okay, that f- could be right. And then obviously six months later we saw him curling that goal against Arsenal and, and uh and the rest, as they say, is history. But I, I just you know, he's now he's thirty four and there was a big debate for a long period that um you know Tale time at Manchester United, even at Everton, um about you know, he's kind of his legs slowing perhaps, or the game around him changing a little bit, and he, you know, he wanted to drop back at the midfield. Some managers, Louis Van Al was happy about that. Uh, Josie Mourinho not so much, and now he is playing at the base of of uh, of Derby's midfield and controlling a lot of their play. And and uh, I have to be honest and say on, on Saturday it wasn't his his most effective game. Not and were very very smart tactically and they you know they, they said afterwards they, they had a plan to nullify him because he plays like a quarterback for them. Liam Rassigner, their their assistant coach, is used that word. He he gets the ball, he almost gets the ball from the centre halves and he and he looks he picks out runners with kind of eighty eighty yard passes and drops it on a sixpence and he's capable of that. It's just um whether he was whether that was something that was really part of the game as much in the Premier League. But it certainly Certainly working for Derby in the Championship, they've been on a, a remarkable run. And mm. what a story it would be if Wayne Rooney could, could help get them back to the Premier League.
0: Well, of course, he made his debut in a 2 all win against Barnsley at the turn of the year. At that time, Derby were 17th in the Championship. They've now risen to 7th, only just three points outside the playoffs. And before Saturday's one all draw with local rivals, Forrest, no team had collected more points in twenty. 20- Twenty. Um, he's scored what five league goals this season so far yeah. for for Derby. What has you've mentioned where he's now playing for them? But what has been so impressive about him? Because I know I remember when it was muted that he was going to be joining Derby. I I remember thinking, well, this isn't going to work. You know, I can't imagine Wayne Rooney at Derby. Blah blah blah. Obviously, he's proved me wrong, proved many doubters wrong as well. So, what is it that he's brought to this Derby side, Gregor?
2: Well when you speak to anyone anyone at the club the the thing they say and you, of, you know it's something you often hear about players of of Rooney's stature is that he just sim his, his mere presence on the pitch or be at a training or on a match day or in the changing room it just raises everyone's standards around him and and Derby have a really really fruitful academy you know the the owner Mel Morris has spent millions on and paid a lot of money for players and paid huge salaries in a bid to reach the Premier League and they've always fallen short and now what luckily he also done during that time is invest in Derby's academy and they've got some really good young prospects they had I think they had an 18 year old and three 19 year olds playing on Saturday Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know imagine if you're for example a guy called Max Bird who's 19 plays alongside Rooney at the base of of Derby's midfield you're playing alongside Wayne Rooney one of you know England's greatest players uh you're gonna want to impress him and I think that's the kind of Im- impact he's had on everyone at the club and and they see his standards and they see his work ethic and that's what everyone says everyone says about him and so there's that effect but also he's done the job on the pitch you know he's he's uh like I say he's kind of he's like the quarterback for them almost and he's chipped him the goals he's had a couple of assists he scored a couple of free kicks uh I think he's on the penalties, he's scored a Sort of pretty cheeky Penenka penalty, actually, a few weeks back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's gone far better than I expected as well, Nat. You're not alone there.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Gregor. Uh, just... I know that uh, the Derby manager, Philip Coccu, has admitted that he had originally planned to play Rooney as a sort of number nine or, or a ten rather than deep in midfield. But do you think this is now his best position in the championship, playing that, that deep midfield position?
2: I think so, yeah. I mean, it's... It... <laughs> Again, that's why I, I kind of reference the time I I played against him and that and, and when you think of Wayne Rooney really we should think of that young kinda of tyro who burst on the scene and he was a force of nature as a striker and you know, he rougher roughen up centre halves that were almost twice his age. Uh and that you know, that's the kind of player he was. That's what that's what he was. He was a striker a number nine or, and then he dropped back into a, a number ten. But now, you know, he's a bit thicker set. His <laughs> uh, his legs are slowing a little bit, but he's still got that remarkable range of passing, and he's a talented player, and he's got the vision. Um, so I think it probably is his his best position, and and Derby are certain, certainly uh, reaping the benefits of that.
1: So QPR reaping the benefits of that. I should quickly point out that was his, he, he gave the ball away in uh, in midfield, which set us up to um, set QPR up to score a winner against them in uh, <laughs> uh, a, 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 a few a few months back, but. Um, but, yeah, as, mind you, while he did that, he could also ping a 50-yard pass like that, you know, you could just still yeah. see. Yeah, that quarterback analogy is definitely, um, yeah, as just that, that that ball striking is still something that, you know, elevate, we'll probably still elevate him when he's 55. You know, it's just, <laughs> uh, it's 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 quite a beautiful thing to, to see. Um, but, yeah, other teams do have to work out that, that they, they, they need to sort of get around him and monster him a bit if he's going to play that deep.
0: Of course, the form that he's in for Derby has led to people questioning, did he leave the Premier League too early? So Alex Ferguson often spoke about his ability to play in midfield, with Louis van Gaal advising him to move there as he approached 30. But when Jose Mourinho came to Manchester United, he insisted Rooney would not play deep in midfield. Towards the end of his United career, Rooney spoke of the embarrassment, as he called it, of the lack of opportunities under Mourinho, which eventually led to his return to Everton. So Matt... Could he have stayed at United longer under a manager other than Mourinho, or should Mourinho have actually given him more of an opportunity in that sort of deep midfield role?
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I, I'm not so sure at, at, at Premier League level. I think we we've seen, and it seemed it didn't seem to be as effective at Premier League level to be to, to be honest. Certainly not in the, the way Mourinho has set up the team. Um, he tends to like you know we know Mourinho's. Sort of class classic style. He likes athletic, you know, um, uh, hard breaking, fast breaking midfields. Um, and you know that he, I don't think a Rooney in midfield was ever going to be his type of player. I mean, obviously Ferguson actually was was trying to shunt him out. Um, that was over more sort of uh, other disagreements as well. So it was you know had been t- a little bit turbulent for a while at United. I I, I think. You know, I think it is very different to do it in the Championship than it is to do it in, in the Premier League. And I think, you know, I, I don't I don't remember certainly thinking, you know, that's Wayne Rooney gone too soon at the time.
0: Mm. Well, Derby do sit just outside the Championship playoff spots in seventh, face four of the top six in their final five games as well. They've often been tagged as bottlers late in this season, but could Rooney actually guide them to a playoff spot? Gregor, if Rooney does manage to get promoted with Derby where do you think that would sit as an achievement in his illustrious career
2: it's an interesting one that I you know I always think I mean Craigie he's won the Premier League I don't know how many times in he's you know, Champions League uh, he's captained England so many so many achievements but there's something there is something quite unique about promotion and that it's about the future rather than rather than the the kind of end of a journey or you know, or a title. It's actually about progression in the future, and he's, you know, he'll, he's going to be there next season as well. So, I think for him to, when he was written off almost as a Premier League player, to lead, uh, to have a huge influence in, in any, anyway, uh, in leading Derby to the Premier League, and returning there, uh, and trying to probably prove people wrong, um, I'm sure he would rank that right up there because. You know, this is he arrived at Derby with an eye on on coaching, and and you know he sits in an analysis, and he and he often speaks when uh, I think Philip Koku, the manager, you will sometimes say Wayne, what what do you think? And and uh, and he you know he's 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 kind of he's he's definitely gone to Derby with an eye on a career in management when he when he finishes. So I think it would be completely unexpected for him to to reach the Premier League, and it would be a it'd be a huge achievement.
0: Mm. Just to quickly run through their their final five fixtures, then they play West Brom, they play yeah, Brentford, yeah. Cardiff, Leeds, Birmingham. My goodness, it's quite an end yeah. to their to their season. Do you think they can do it, Gregor? Can they get into the playoffs?
2: I mean, if they do it, my God, they would deserve it because that is some running. I think <laughs> you know their their only hope maybe is that there's a chance Leeds Leeds could be promoted. So um there's even a chance that even if they say they lost to West Brom, I don't know, Brent, Brentford will probably still have a chance of, I'm sure you'd be delighted to hear that, have a chance <laughs> of catching them. So so yeah, no, those first two ga- two games are very hard. Cardiff are on a really good run. Like I say, Leeds could be promoted by then, but Forrest did really well to, to nullify <clears> them, and that's something that teams have struggled to do, and I think they've kind of, they might have to be a bit more flexible tactically and... and uh, it's going to be tough for them. I don't. I really don't know. It's the, the thing with the championship is it's so hard to call who's going to finish in the top six, and that's that's what makes it so exciting. And and even the relegation battle yeah. with with Wigan falling down as well now. So uh, yeah, thrilling into the season in store. I think
0: Matt, a quick word on your your team QPR that you have season tickets for. Fifty three points, thirteenth, nine of the playoffs. Have you have you ruled that out now for yourselves?
1: Uh, I think very much so. I don't think that was yeah. uh, uh, my my hopes were never never looking that high. No, I think we're uh, uh, I think settling for mid table is um, was 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 actually probably beyond my hopes um, back in August. So no, we'll take that. But also, just on just on Rooney, I would just say you know he's um, he's got a decent career as a, a newspaper columnist if he wants to carry that on instead of <laughs> management. I don't. I think you know without sounding too much like an advertising plug, I've been super impressed by what he's done in the Sunday times, you know, um, I think, you know, showing ability to sort of, you know, address big issues and discuss the game and discuss different players and, you know, his own sort of backstory in it. And I think that's, yeah, I've, uh, you know, I think everyone I've spoken to has been sort of really, um, yeah, impressed, impressed by the sort of detail and insights he's brought. And, you know, it's, you know, I think everyone, yeah, it's been a heck of a journey. I look, I was just thinking back it's 2003 I remember England were just about to play Turkey in a big qualifying game and hearing you know there was this idea he was just could he make his debut in such a massive game and you thought it's too too big an occasion to, to throw him in and then you heard about this thing in training where he skipped past about five players and I think dinked one over Paul Robinson and basically made himself impossible not to be picked and he came out and juggled the ball around and it was yeah it was just one of those moments you still get sort of goose, you know, goosebumps thinking about it he's um, Uh, amazing, um, amazing journey. And I I suspect we're going to hear, yeah, uh, a fair bit more from him.
0: Well, that is it for now. Many thanks to Gregor and to Matt. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It's just a pound a week for an eight week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. We're gonna be back with you on Thursday. Take care in the meantime.